Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. What's up, everybody? Mike here with Shields Outdoors, and uh, today we're doing something a little different. We're going to do an In the Boat podcast. I have uh, Bass Elite Series Angler Pat Schlapper with me today. Pat, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good day out here. It's a beautiful day. Oh, I mean, it yeah. uh, it was cold this morning, but it, it sure got nice now. Yeah, nice and sunny, a little bit of a breeze. Probably, what, 60 degrees out? Maybe a yeah, little more? I'd say right around 60 yeah. degrees. Fish what are, are biting. What are we doing here right now? Well, we're just kind of fishing in a pocket here. Um, trying to catch a bass trying to find some warm water um, yeah fishing around yeah um, we're down here because of Southern Fishing University for Shields yep so we've uh, this is my first time being down at Southern Fishing you first time fishing in Texas which is very interesting usually at the end of January beginning of February I am fishing in you know under two feet of ice so this is kind of a nice change of pace. Um, but uh, what sort of stuff are the associates gonna learn this week? Well, I've never been to the Southern University either. I've been to the Northern one several times. So if it's like that, we'll do a lot of electronics training, rod, reel, line. Um, and then I think from what I've been hearing is we do a little more advanced stuff at this one. Okay. Where we'll get in a little more depth to, you know, techniques, um, you know, situations that a salesperson might get into where uh, someone with a lot of experience comes in asking for advice. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, uh, and it's centered around bass, where the, the northern one is a lot of, uh, you know, walleye, you know, a little bit of everything at yep. that one. So, you know, I'm a bass fisherman, so I'm excited to see what the southern one's all about. Yeah, this one's definitely your jam. And I am not going to lie, I'm a little bit out of my element here because uh, I grew up a walleye guy, fish a lot of walleye, crappie, really not a lot of bass. Pretty much the only bass fishing I do is off of a paddleboard chucking a chatterbait, which, don't get me <laughs> wrong, is like becoming my new favorite way of fishing. But uh, it's been nice to just be in the boat with you, and uh, we, were, we were in the boat with Josh Douglas earlier, just, you know, learning a whole bunch of stuff, shooting some content for our YouTube channel and our social pages. And, uh, you know, I'd have to say, though, my favorite video out of all of this we did was, was our boat snack video today. It's often overlooked and underrated when it comes to fishing and, and being good at fishing mm-hmm. and uh, something I'm passionate about. Yeah, your passion just shone through in that video. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. For, <laughs> for those of you that haven't seen it or honestly if we haven't released it yet, give us a little walkthrough of your, of your boat snack ritual. Well, so I've been fishing tournaments a long time and when I was younger, I... I, I didn't really plan a very healthy snack day. Not that mine is completely healthy, but I think a lot of times people, they just eat like gummy worms and like Snickers and just stuff that if you're actually in a tournament, I feel like your performance suffers from it. So mm-hmm. I have like a Quest protein bar, Honeycrisp apple, couple pieces of cheese, jerky, 
And then I do drink a lot of water in a day and, uh, and then a kickstart. Okay. Kickstart, Mountain Dew kickstart, pineapple, orange, mango, just the right amount of caffeine, uh, not a ton of sugar, just a good pick-me-up at noon. Mm -hmm. And you just automatically rolled off pineapple, orange, mango. Like, have you went through the kickstart lineup and just decided that's the one for you or oh, yeah, just, yeah. it was oh. it was love at first drink no, i've done what? them all i mean uh, they got a grape they got a orange it's an orange citrus um and then they got a fruit punch um all good all good and i'll throw one in every once in a while when i'm on the road and i will put one in the another flavor in the boat uh if i you know don't have access to the, the mango which they can be hard to find mm -hmm. so um, all the other kickstarts are good. I just really prefer the the taste of that that mango one. It's 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 yummy. Okay, that's. I mean, fair. who doesn't like mango, pineapple, and orange? I mean, yeah, tell me I somebody. mean that's a that's a good combination, right? Yeah, there. It just Not gonna yeah, lie. It's, yeah, that's great. So yeah, we so we went through a couple other videos too. Can you just walk us through like a few of the other ones we did and maybe some important topics on them? Well, the main one we did was about finesse fishing and just finesse tactics and, and overall like finesse fishing is a general term and uh, it's it's often thought of as just downsizing your bait and you know using really small stuff small diameter line and that's a big part of it and that's kind of what we went over is four or five of the my favorite finesse techniques and the baits I like to use and honestly kind of the rotation I like to put them through you know because there's certain types of those techniques that I would prefer to catch catch them on over over other ones. Mm -hmm. So um, and what was the first one that you picked? A jig, a finesse jig. Finesse jig. Yep. And is yep. that your just basic go-to every time? I like to throw a jig a lot, whether it's a finesse jig or a football jig, a flipping jig, a swim jig. I just really like fishing a jig. They generally have a a really good hook to land ratio. Uh, so yeah, it's that's what I'll always gravitate towards. Uh, just in fishing in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah, finesse fishing, downsize the jig, and uh, you'll still get a lot of bites with it. Okay, how does uh, how does fishing a jig shallow versus fishing one deep change? Like how do, how do you do both? When you go deeper, I think there's more variables because just because of the depth. And now deeper, I'm talking like, I would say 15 plus foot. Uh, because then you're, you, you know, you generally have to use a heavier jig mm -hmm. uh, because uh, the key with most jig applications besides, uh, you know, a swim jig is bottom contact. Yep. And, um, you know, when you go out deeper, a lot of times you've got to go to a, you know, a three quarter ounce football jig versus say a three ace or a half ounce. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the other thing with deeper water too is most of the time you got, it seems like you got to fish it, you know, you got to fish it a lot slower to keep it on the bottom. So it's, it's the same concept as fishing shallow. It's just, it, you have to have a different set of equipment to do it in most cases. Gotcha. Is a, uh, is a jig like, if you could only fish one lure, would it be a jig be or a would jig. it be something else? No, it'd be a jig. It'd be a jig. Because you, it's so versatile. You know, I can, if you get the right jig, I can, I can flip it into the bushes, I can flip it into the lily pads, I can drag it on the bottom, I can swim it. Uh, it's just, it's probably the most versatile lure out there. And yes, they make 
jig specific for each one of those tactics. Mm-hmm. But you you could you could swim you could swim a football jig if you needed to. They'd still bite it. It might not come through the grass as good, but you can still swim it. So uh, a jig is my number one pick. I always try to fish a jig whenever I can. Okay. What about from like a pure excitement standpoint? What are you throwing on? Ooh, that's a hard one. Top water. I like throwing a big walking bait, like a, an original uh, Saltwater's Air Spook, the big three hook one. Mm-hmm. That's probably that's probably one of my favorite. That'd probably be my favorite to pick if it's just like I'm gonna go out and if they're biting that, I it's hard for me to put it down. Do you have a Do you have a story on a specific fish on that bait? One that just blew it up. On a spook, oh, I got a lot of stories on them. But, What's the uh, first one that comes to mind? Uh, I guess one this year, or this past lead season, a lot of the fish I caught on Lake Fork was on that, was on a big saltwater super spook. And on day two, I had caught one out deep, you know, one that was like, I think it was six and a half pounds, and then I caught one just under seven pounds flipping a jig, and I was fishing in the back of a, kind of a cove and they came up schooling on a flat point and I picked up my spook and I caught a whole bunch of them but I caught another one that was like six and a half pounds on it so that was the biggest one I caught all year on the spook but okay um, I've, I've had multiple doubles with smallmouth on the Mississippi River you know where you get two in one cast oh that would be cool uh, yes um, a lot of times I've done that uh, yeah I've, I've got I've caught so many nice fish on a spook it's and there's just nothing better than watching them blow that thing up and and, and t-bone it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, talk to us a little bit about uh, about the tournament trail. How you felt it's gone so far. What are your thoughts on that? Is not that that's is a the, fake bite. Right that there. is a ramp. And that's, I got I got pretty excited. Yep. And that. Okay. Yep. Now, how about you walk? Walk me through how to get this out. Okay, we're gonna give it to me. Okay, step one. Step give one. two bass masks. A lot of times with now you did set the hook on it, so I I'm did. not sure, but a lot of times with fluorocarbon, you can kind of snap it and it'll pop out. But I think you got it into the beans a little much there. So we're gonna go kind of creep up there and see if I can pop it out. <laughs> it happens. There we oh go. yeah, it happens. Hopefully oh, the hook is still go. fine. Hook is still fine. Must have been wedged in the. You always want to check your hook after you. It's a little dull, but it'll work. That's a good tip. Yeah. Appreciate that, Pat. Yep. Okay, where were we at now? Tournament trail. So this will. This is going into my third year on the Elite Series, and the first year, you know, I I did okay. I finished the middle of the pack, like 50, 55th out of 105, um, but it wasn't bad. For my first year, it wasn't bad. And then last year, I had six really good events. Like I had a top 10, I had a couple top 20s, top 30s, I think I had six really good tournaments, then I had three not good ones. Mm-hmm. But I still, I made the Bassmaster Classic. So that's the goal for me every year is, you know, if I can make the Classic, um, that as early on as it is in my career, if you want to call it a career, I say that's a win. 
Yeah. You know, and be, so what exactly do you have to do to qualify for that? So there's only, there's a few ways. Like when you fish the elite series, you have to finish in roughly the top 45 in points. So just your angler of the year points throughout the season, whoever's in the top, it's 40 to 45 anglers, depending upon double qualifiers and, and a few other factors. And then you can qualify if you win a Bassmaster Open. Okay. Or if you win the Bass Nation Championship, which is how I qualified the first year. I won the Bass Nation Championship on Pickwick Lake. So those are the only ways you can get up there. You could win the Weekend Series Championship too. So there's, you know, a handful of ways to get in, but the bulk of the anglers come from the Elite Series. Gotcha. What is the craziest thing you've seen in a, in a tournament event? The craziest thing I've seen? Craziest thing you've seen. Well, overall, honestly, it's the way some of these pro, pros beat on their equipment drive through rough water. Like you get out on Lake Ontario, um, Lake Champlain, some of these giant lakes. You know, I'm still, I wouldn't say I'm scared of them, but I'm not gonna put the throttle down and drive 70 mile an hour across it. And a lot of these guys, I mean, it makes me nervous watching them. <laughs> uh, so it's not really a specific instance that's crazy, but. Um, just kind of an eye opening Just experience. like, man, like, holy cow, guys. I mean, yeah, this is serious stuff, but I don't know how some of these guys are old too and like my body can hardly take that and I'm not that old so that'd be that'd be the biggest thing is just kind of or one of the bigger things is just kind of how how serious a lot of these guys take it and what they're willing to do mm -hmm. to get to a place to fish yeah I mean back in the day I used to race motocross and I used to love hitting jumps and getting up in the air but I have no desire to go airborne in a boat. I've done it on accident and it's scary. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's, there's so much that can go wrong. And when you're in like with us, it's one thing when it's yourself, but when you have a marshal with you or maybe a camera guy, it's, I don't know, makes me nervous. I err on the side of caution. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I won't go you know go fast but if it's really windy and rough i'll take my time and if someone beats me somewhere then i'd rather get there alive and have my marshal get there alive than than win the tournament yeah yeah that's definitely a good way to go about it so you know i'm definitely feeling fortunate right now like hopping in the boat with a bassmaster elite series guy just going to the front of the deck and grabbing a rod that's probably five times more than anything I've ever fished with. <laughs> um, I'm very partial to chatterbaits, oh, yeah. so I picked up the chatterbait right away. But um, talk to me about this rod, because like, it just feels great in your hands. What's this whole setup? So that is the new St. Croix Legend Tournament, and it's the Rip and Chatter Rod, which is a 7.2 heavy power, moderate action. It's, it's specifically built for, for a bladed jig or a chatterbait. And it's actually a blend of glass and carbon. So a lot of chatterbait rods are straight fiberglass. Okay. And the benefit of fiberglass is that it's really forgiving, really parabolic. Um, but the downfall with it is it's, it's, it's heavy and bulky. 
So when we made that blend, it's a lot less bulky, lighter weight, but it still has that parabolic, slower bend that you want with, uh, with a chatterbait. And, and I was, when they started developing this new line, I was part of the testing process. And when they gave us that particular, they just basically gave us a big bundle of rods with numbers on them. Yep. They didn't have names. We didn't know what was what. And they didn't tell us that that was a, a blended rod. And until after it was all done, we all thought it was, you know, straight graphite because it was so light. Gotcha. So it's, it's a, a really unique rod that's really catered towards throwing the bait that you have on there. And it's... It's great casting it, it feels great, but when you hook a fish on it, I'm not saying you will today, but when you hook a fish on <laughs> I'm, it. I'm sure trying, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm giving her the old college try. But when you hook one on that, then you really understand what I'm yeah. talking about with how that thing loads up and and uh, you just don't lose a lot of fish on it. You still will lose fish, but not near as much as if you're using too stiff of a rod. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So, all right, well, Pat, you know, Appreciate your time, appreciate your expertise. I think I'm gonna focus a little bit more on fishing rather than talking because I'm failing miserably right now. But uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.